Hey everyone, Jack here, back for episode number 76 of the TNC podcast. Three episodes this week. If you haven't already, go and check out the Benjamin Bloom podcast ahead of this weekend's East Anglian Derby and also the podcast that we put out with the one and only Nick Conrad. This though, this is special and it's special to me because I've looked up to the man you're about to listen to for the following hour for many, many a year and me and my father used to listen to Colin Murray on the radio lots together. So this one feels really, really special to me because I've looked up to Colin for so long and to sit in his flat in London for for hours actually. I, I nearly missed my train because we were just chatting for so long and only an hour went on to camera. But Colin Murray is a truly fascinating man and I'm sure you all know him. But maybe for different reasons, maybe you listen to him on Radio 1 when he was presenting to 5 million people, maybe you listen to him on TalkSport, maybe you only know him from Quest and with EFL, maybe you know him from Channel 5, maybe you know him from the BBC when he was presenting the darts. This man has done everything and he has an encyclopedic knowledge of football. He genuinely knew more about Norwich City Football Club this season than me, and I've watched us in pretty much every single game. This season, he's doing Champions League coverage, he's doing English Football League coverage, and he knows every single team as well as each other. This is a truly fascinating listen. This is Colin Murray. Thank you so much for your support, um, because... If you don't listen, then these kind of guests won't bother to, um, to to give up at their time. So thank you from the bottom of my bottom of my heart. This one really does mean a lot to me. I hope you enjoy it. I hope um, I lived up to the opportunity. Um, and if I didn't, then let me know how I could have done better. See you on the other side. Bye bye. Colin, what absolute pleasure to, to be in your humble abode today. No problem. Thank you for having me down here. It's like a reverse for me, because yeah. I do the at-home with Colin Murray. Indeed. But you have wed in round the corner from my flat, which will remain anonymous. Yeah. And the easiest thing was to come here. It was. But now it's a real reversal. I bought the coffees. Yeah, I mean... So, I, can we, are we allowed to be unofficially sponsored? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if Dunkin' Donuts, Donuts are willing to sponsor... Um, Give Jack some free fucking... Oh, sorry. No, that's sorry. fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'll tell you, do you want to start again? No, 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 you keep going. Are you sure? I don't yeah. want to swear in it. And no, I mean, that's my YouTube ad set's gone. I might oh, not be okay. able to put food on the table this month, but it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I see you as quite a Send calm some person, donuts. but when they told you that you couldn't have cream in your coffee... I saw something switch. Well, you changed into a different man. I let's just say um, I would definitely fall into the category of not having quite a normal thinking brain. So um, <laughs> you get into certain patterns, and it's very big with me. So like you know, this is the process yeah. of things. And the place where we went to get coffee, they always did cream. Yeah. And then today they didn't. Yeah. But it was this denial that they ever had cream. And you knew that upset me a little bit. I was like, mate, you always have cream. Yeah. We did accept. What, what he gave Well, and that. then he went yeah. for an Americano rather Instead than of the filter, filter, which is a proper coffee. We had um, we had a chap called Nick Conrad on the podcast last night, actually, who, who hosts um, BBC Radio North at breakfast. And he's a connoisseur in quinoa. Now, he knows the production line of quinoa. He knows the political issues of quinoa. You strike me as a bit of a coffee yeah. connoisseur. Well, I, I hope he gets a partner soon. <laughs> is it a connoisseur of quinoa? Yeah, he loves the stuff. And he tells people about it. Mm. Wow. He's a top man. Anyway. Um, you sure? What, he's a top yeah, man? He's yeah. not, a connoisseur of quinoa is not someone I would want to bring to a party. You're not a quinoa salad type man. I'm not, I, don't want to, I don't want to be a connoisseur of it. You um, eat it for roughage. You don't 
for roughage. You don't, yes. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the trend. It, Health. Quinoa is so last year anyway. Is it not kale? What's this year? Kale uh, now? I think tails. Everyone's on that. Kale's so, so 2015. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast that you filmed um, slash recorded. Did that go out as a video with Scrooby's Pip? Mm, uh, no. It didn't? When, when I do my radio podcasts, I try and keep them exactly as that. So you're very much of the era where uh, sound goes with vision, and I get that. And this is a... Obviously, we do this for YouTube and we film it, but... When I go into, especially that home series, if yeah. I go into somebody's house to interview them, I want them to feel like they're in their house. And yeah. the, the minute the camera's there, like now, you, don't you know, like we house. can see it. And, you know, it does change yeah. it slightly. Yeah, yeah. It's different with me because I do what you do. So yeah. it's easy for me to, to relax into it. But with a sports person who may already be thinking, oh, he, he might try and talk to me about that or I don't want to yeah. talk about that. And at home is not like that at all. I'm trying to have a normal conversation. You take everything away, mm. strip everything away. And that, um, so when you filmed with Bobby George, mm -hmm. um, he told you about, or well, I think you already knew, he had a toe behind his bar, yeah. his own toe. There's yeah. no sort of body parts hanging around. No, I don't have anything. I, yeah, I just have the sev severed heads of trolls. That's fine. Yeah, who I, I pinpoint on Twitter, then follow them home <laughs> and, uh, and kill them. But apart from that, no, no that's absolutely, absolutely fine. I, I can deal with that. <laughs> when, you, yeah, when, you, when you recorded with Scroobius Pip, um, that night actually I was running around um, Richmond mm -hmm. and I lost my oyster cart that night. So I've got mm -hmm. mixed emotions from that night. But you always remember the trauma. Yeah, indeed. What a first and, world problem that and, is. And you soothed it somewhat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was fascinated in, in terms of the journey, and I think a lot of people. I mean, the, the first time I sort of knew about you was when you were doing the darts, yeah. video darts. That was the first time I saw you on telly. I was like, this is cool. Um, but you forget about the, the journey up to that point. Yeah. And I think, especially in football, you see them players out there, and you think, wow, how lucky they are. Talk to me about how you got to where you are yeah. now. Because from the outside looking in, you're in a fantastic position. But fuck me, it's been hard to get where you've been. Yeah, so it's, a, it's been a different type of brain. Grew up in Northern Ireland, uh, in East Belfast, um, in a place called Dundonald, mm. uh, which was a lot of fun and a little seat of the pants as well. Um, so it was, so Dundonald basically two big council estates with roads that connect them. Yeah. So I lived in one of those, then moved to Newton Ards for a couple of years, then moved back to the road that connected them when yeah. my grandfather died, my step-grandfather, because we got his house. So back into the, so essentially most bar three years in that area. Wasn't a good school kid, didn't, mm. couldn't sit still for 20 minutes, let alone six hours a day. That's the caffeine. So a lot of getting kicked, a lot of being like, fine, like I passed my 11 plus and got into grammar school. And then after a few years, they were like, you're going to have to leave. Um, and then went to high school and same thing. Mm -hmm. So got indefinitely suspended before my GCSE. So always struggled with that, but loved English. Yeah. And I had a teacher uh, uh, called Mrs. Piper who saw that and she was a little distracted as well, which was good. So, still in uh, contact or is she? Um, last time I saw her was about eight years ago, I think mm -hmm. it was now. We were doing a Radio 1 show and she was the special guest on it. Okay. It was like DJs Go Home, it was yeah. called. Um, so she spotted it and she was always encouraging me because I kind of for always liked words and always wanted yeah. to write. Um, but I didn't necessarily grow up in an area where people said you could be a journalist or you could have that type of life. So Was that because where you were from or was that career just not a viable one at that point? I think, I think there's probably still an issue with it today, which is, and I've talked about this before, it's very difficult if you've got a classroom of kids and you have to teach them all yeah. and you've got someone who's asking too many questions yeah. and bouncing about and cracking jokes. There's a creativity to that and there's a quickness to that. 
but it holds everybody else back. So it's very difficult to, you never turn around to someone and say, you should work in the, in the media. You should, you yeah. could be a TV presenter or a radio presenter. You're quick and you absorb information and you're curious about words. That's mm -hmm. quite hard to do. So by the time I got to my GCSEs, there's, there was always that thing about get a trade. We had the YTP scheme and you know, £29.50 a week and 35 quid the second year. Yeah. And I was this close to going to gardening school, literally accepted into gardening school. Um, and then a few days before, out of nowhere, the Ulster newsletter and newspaper accepted me in the YTP scheme as a trainee journalist. Okay. And I'd applied to one hoping yeah. and the other one because I thought I'm never gonna be able to do what I wanna do. Um, yeah, and then I made that decision. Literally two, two or three days before I was due to learn how to be a landscape gardener. <laughs> would that have been, a, I mean, that's a nice career. No, I would, have been, I would have been fitter. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have smoked. <laughs> I wouldn't have had as many rock and roll experiences. I would have been the great outdoors. When we get up at six in the morning, I would have been fitter. I would have had more more connection with the opposite sex because it would have looked better. Yeah. Um, all those things would have been better. No, it's a great, it's great. And Latin, I would like Latin, you see, at mm. school. And, you need Latin to be a landscape gardener. Mm. So randomly. So that, that was it. And I went in the YTP scheme. I worked at McDonald's and did that. So it was just like one to the other. And you had that energy when you were 16. So skip forward. Uh, when did you when did you come over to London? That was by accident. So I, I'd, it was all print journalism. Yeah. Uh, I'd started a music magazine with yeah. a guy called Paul McNamee, mm. who he's now the editor of The Big Issue mm. um, and worked at the NME for, for a long time. So we started a music magazine out of frustration in Northern Ireland because there really wasn't one then mm. there had been one before but there was a nothing really sort of thing but a bit a little bit more so we'd interview we you know our, our we first issue was very northern Irish actually but you know if you look at it was on the covers of those first few issues we managed to get a radiohead interview bjork um not who are other names. covers yeah not bad names at all um but we covered local bands um we'd cover the it was a lot less Northern Irish, if yeah. that makes sense. It wasn't very local. Yeah. We trying to just make a magazine and was that a bit an urge of swagger to create something for yourself because others weren't taking you on, or was that no? That was, was just no frustrated kind of with like running clubs, yeah. uh, you know, trying to bring bands over, and they're not really being a young person's magazine anymore. Mm. There was magazines where you would get like double page spreads of people in the local nightclub like this, mm. and the nightclub would pay to have that double page spread, but there wasn't really just straightforward music editorial yeah. and and so we started that and then you know so running some clubs bringing some bands over used to do a lot of the snow patrol gigs when they were jeepster yeah. so i used to lose a lot of money booking them so i loved them so much and i booked them into and then they would be like 60 people would turn up nightmare we have some good stories from back in the day um and then radio one started a regional show so we used to have a thing called the evening session yeah. and they um with uh, steve lamac and they decided that they would have a Thursday night, a show in Northern Ireland, a show in Scotland, and a show in Wales. Mm. Um, and they asked me to do it, and I didn't want to do it, so I didn't go for the audition. And they found a girl and couldn't find a boy. Okay. And they asked me again, and I was like, Why did you not want to do it? I just didn't. What didn't connect to me? Radio, okay. TV, nothing. I wanted. I just like writing, and that, that was it. That I think that struck me since meeting you and seeing you on the telly and radio. If you don't want to do something, you won't do it. No, I was just like, not for me, done. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't find a guy and they auditioned on audition and couldn't. And eventually they, I agreed I would go down and do a, a, an audition. And me and my friend had just done 48 hours straight. It was a combination of the new Pro Evo coming out. <laughs> and do you remember when um, Ronald Dino lobbed Seaman? Yeah, yeah. It was that day. Yeah, I okay. think I think the game was like at eight in the morning or okay. whatever. 
And then, so I'm sitting there like this after two days, sitting up with my <laughs> mate Scott, and the phone rings, you're late for your thing. I was like, oh, fuck. So and I went, this is the BBC chasing you. This is them going, where you come down? Well, it's like, it's not, it's not a big town, you know? Belfast isn't the biggest place compared to, you know, anywhere, like London, Glasgow, Manchester. Probably much more like Norwich, do you know what I mean? In terms of everyone knows everyone, and there's not that many people working in music. There's not that many people working in sport. Or you, you, it's, you know. So, yeah, and I went down. I can't remember a huge amount of it, did an audition and got in. And then, so really by chance. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I loved it. I loved it from the minute I did it. Mm. I'd learned sort of, I think you've got print and then you've got TV and you've got radio somewhere in the middle, you know, mm. in terms of, if you, if you were interviewing me now for print, we could sit and chat, you could go away and you have a couple of days or three days to really write something that will allow people to form yeah. an opinion of me. TV can be so restrictive. Yeah. Very hard to create a space for yourself in TV mm. that isn't just gimmicky or where you have a short period of time to, to nail it, or when you're just a stooge, especially in sport, yeah. for other people, you're, you're asking them questions to give you an answer you already know, because they've already prepared a bit of analysis, yeah. you know? Um, and then radio somewhere in the middle, it can be restrictive, but if you learn it, and if you can work the art and it suits you, yeah. you can get a lot out of it. I feel like there's few people who are so well known in kind of the music industry, like yourself, and also sport, and I think over the past, would you say 10 years, you've become a lot more recognised in that kind of, sporting circle was yeah. that always the yeah, aim I mean, because I know the two loves of your life are sort of music yeah. Liverpool yeah. football baseball yeah. was that always the aim or American politics happen? jazz yeah. um, you end up with a you want lot. to open a jazz cafe right I, I, yeah I go through phases one of many things okay. but uh, <laughs> the ja the, also like a more like a jazz bar you know not mm. something that people come in and think that it's jazz they just okay. get caught by the jazz without knowing it. You know what I mean? Just because people steer away from jazz. If I got your music out now on your phone, you have jazz on it, whether you know yeah. it or not. Like, yeah. and I get anyone to have jazz on it. It's such the widest scope. Yeah. And I, I what think. What would you call the bar? No idea. I haven't went that far. <laughs> I've not gone that far. Um, yeah, it's, you don't. It's funny when I left Radio One, people were like, "What do you do for music now?" And I'm like, "Well, I listen to it. And yeah. I just sit and listen yeah, to the yeah. records and." Um, it's the same with sport. I liked sport from when I was a kid. I was a nerd with sport. Mm. So it was weird, different era than your era. You used to have less TVs, but you also had where you would just get sport on a Saturday from the minute you woke up to the minute the football finished. Mm. And that would be rugby league. That would be squash. Yeah. We used to get a lot of squash. There was two squash players, Jan Khan and Yehinger Khan. I think it was that way around. And they were both hugely popular. Yeah. And we had British ice hockey. So it used to get shown all the time yeah. as well. Bracknell Bees. And then you'd have the football results. Then you'd have the horse racing, whatever they wanted to show you. Yeah. You'd have a bit of football. You'd have the live game on a Sunday. You'd have the wrestling on a Saturday. That was our British wrestling. You'd have, and you would just watch all these sports that you did, the Six Nations. You'd have the golf when it came around. You didn't have, to my memory growing up, the Australian Open tennis, mm. the French, you had, you had mentions of it, yeah. but all that mattered was Wimbledon. Mm. It, was, it was such a different, it's funny now. I was just watching the Australian Open. I was talking to a friend, I was like, we never watched this growing up. Like, we never did. It wasn't on his TV's chain. Do you see the almost so, endless opportunity in being able to watch what you want, when you want, as a good thing? Or is that almost a hindrance now? Because there, there's such an overload of information and stuff going Well, you on. can watch what you want, when you want, if you can afford it. I mean, nowadays, to watch the full sort of rainbow of sport. Yeah, if you get the old Sly Sports instead of Sky Sports. Yeah. But um, I suppose... I, I don't know. There's there's more of it on if you can afford it. Great. I think foot, I think the Premier League sucks away a lot of life mm. from from everything else. 
which is a bit of a shame. I think probably people take less of a chance now on watching other sports. We probably have less of a full knowledge, but more of a knowledge of the mainstream mm. sports than we ever had. I think people, like I said, I think people wouldn't have known when I was growing up. Like I didn't know about the Australian Open <laughs> in tennis. So I think we probably have a wider knowledge from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so with, um, what was I saying there in the beginning? Was the, was, was the Oh yeah, so when, when, whatever you're working in, it's still journalism. Yeah. It's still what you love doing because you like being creative. So you're looking for the challenges, things that don't bore you to death. Which there is a lot that can bore you to death. And what makes you feel, why have you had such a, a, a long career and a successful career? What sets you apart from the I'm rest cheap. of you think? I'm cheap, that helps, <laughs> that really helps. I'm, I'm, I think it does help if you're kind of, if you're known for what you do a little bit, rather than famous for what you do a lot. And but it, I mean, like, from the you start, you get longevity if you're still a journalist. Yeah, but I'm not really like you know. It's, uh, like I can pick you up at a train station and walk you down to a flat, and you know, like the, 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 exactly. I don't get that because I've never sold any of my life of anyone. I've never used it as a way to get in. So anything I do is just based on what what I do. Whether it's to, you know, five and a half million people in Radio One or five hundred thousand people in the EFL or thirty thousand people in a podcast, I just make my decisions based on do I want to do that job? Yeah. Um, will I get enjoyment out of it? do all the numbers add up for the end of the year that that's enough yeah um but you've still got to be good at what you do yeah i think the key is hard work like mm. you i've always worked hard i think a lot of people that come from my kind of background always feel like they're running away still from well i could end up back in the council yeah. estate i don't think that ever leaves you as a working class yeah. mentality no matter how well or badly you do and your career goes up and down but ultimately say for example i went to five live and i left five live to you know you don't resign, you just go in and say, I'm leaving, mm. It's uh, I'll give you six months notice. To do it the proper way, mm. and then e even with everything that happened to talk sport, I still did it the proper way, I still didn't fall out with my bosses. They knew straight away I was gonna leave, this is how it's gonna happen, how much notice do you need? Okay, well that'll work for me, but I can't go beyond this date because if it'll be a different owner and I won't work for them, so all amicable. Yeah. So I still friendly with, I still like the boss of Talksport that was there when I was there. He's still there. Yeah. And you know, I, I feel we still have a respect for each other. I went back to Five Live eventually after, and that was because I think more than anything, I, I don't fall out with people like yeah. that when I leave you. I try not to, yeah. I try and, you know, have so a sort of an ethic to it. an honesty and not, not, I suppose not wanting to burn bridges, but your morals are just in a way that you're honest with people and people know. Yeah, I mean, you doing. fall out with people and then you're better, you get on better with some people than others and yeah. they rightfully think that you could be a wanker as well. But ultimately, yeah, I think what I've, I've always been quite hard working. I think that's been appreciated. I don't, I've always had a rule of radio, which is like two hours off for every hour on. So if okay. you're doing a three hour show, yeah. then you need to do six hours, you know, maybe four before and two after. But that's usually what I would employ when I was doing a three hour show. So and, and sometimes you'll fall a bit short yeah. and you won't be able to do but ultimately I think if you put that effort in then it'll so you say you a can't three, waste a minute say a three hour show that you're used to what does your day look like well if I was doing say when I was doing 10am to 1pm and it yeah. was sport you would leave about three or four and you'd probably come in about nine okay no sorry come in about half seven yeah so which is easier anyway because you avoid the rush hour get ready get get what you've set up the day before, but then also at night, when a lot of the sport happens during the week or a lot of the stories are developing, you'd be messaging your producer and I want to do this now, so we need to see if we can get this person on in the morning. Then your pundits or your, your co-host desires to come, they'd arrive at nine, yeah. and I'd be ready to go, right, sit down for 45 minutes, and this is what we're going to be doing today, yeah. this is what you need to get your head around. They'd tell me what what they their passions were. Music, radio, bit easier. Mm. 
bit easier because obviously you talk more in half an hour of talk radio than you do in a three-hour music show. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to play 13, 14 tracks an hour. But yeah, there's, there's, you would still come in and do, do prep for that. Writing is different. I do a column in the Metro. I've yeah. done it for like seven years. Some days you're like, mm. bang. I know what I write. Just, you're like, that's why I love writing. And then other times you're sitting there eight hours later, you're holding your head going, fuck, I'm only, I'm only writing about this. Yeah. How can I not get this out? You just can't quite get it right. But so, I'll probably still enjoy that more than anything. So say for the pundits and guests, and we'll come on to what you're doing with oh. EFL and Quest in a moment, do you always make sure you've got a relationship with them before you meet them? or They're different. Like So match of the day two, yeah. when I went in there, is so probably way years, young, three. three one contract, three years done. Okay. And it was probably too much too soon in a way. It was probably a bit like, I wasn't really interested in just sitting there and just listening to what they thought. I wanted it to be more of a two-way conversation. But they rightfully had worked in this environment where they sat, watched the game, said what they wanted, and they did that. Um, I think what I did at Match of the Day 2 was probably a bit too much too soon because I think now everything's like that. We do get a to and fro and we do get pundits debating and we, we it's very different now. I always use fight and talk on the radio as an example. There was nothing like it when I, when we, when I went on to that show. I already had two presenters, but when I joined Fight and Talk for the first time, other radio shows didn't sound like Fight and Talk. Mm. Now I tune in to Five Live on a Friday night, bang, sounds like Fight and Talk yeah. because everyone's more open and relaxed. But Match of the Day 2 was like, people. Would, I remember people would message me and say, why do you think that our left back was to blame for that goal? I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I asked the pundit. Yeah right about where was the mistake and he said the left back yeah but you asked it i was like i know because he had already made a package yeah. do you know that stuff that you saw with the arrows on it do yeah. you think they made that after i asked the question yeah. in the seven seconds so the difference between that and the afl is huge mm. so so when match a put... day has like multi-camera shoots yeah. you sit and put an order together yeah, yeah. the afl has one three o'clock game with yeah. more than one camera at it. Mm. And one game at half five that has more than one camera at it. They're the only games that give you multi-camera angles. Yeah. So you're talking about teams at the top of the championship. Sheffield United's first goal. We didn't, uh, at the weekend, we didn't have an angle to tell you whether a player was offside. Mm. We don't think he was, but the cameraman is not Houdini. The pass <laughs> was 60 yards. He went like that, we don't yeah. see it. I hope that's gonna change, because that'll give us more of an ability to plan a running order. Yeah. That's not really what we do now. Mm. Um, you're talking about one camera going to most games. You're talking about up to 72 teams playing all at once. And you have me, mm. the pundit, the producer, and two other staff. Yeah. Two other staff. Five people put the whole the show together. And... That's well, yeah, you got Christian, who yeah. he's, yeah, you can go to Christian. Like, what, what age is Steeper Mini? He'd be like 26. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, that thing, how many players between 26 and 29 join Norwich and he'll be like and I'll be like I know the Steeper Steeperman Zimmerman what do you call the other guy be like Vrancic he's 26 or he's 27 you know so you do that yeah um and then you know um, so that's what what he would do very much that um but you cannot watch every team all the time and I think that's why I love doing it and when it moved from Channel 5 to Quest I was like I, I want to go with it yeah because I realised that we're on at nine o'clock, so by that stage, the goals are already out there. Mm. The highlights are already out there. What what do we give them that no one else does? And I'm like, well, why don't we talk to them rather mm. than at them? Why don't we Why don't we try and move beyond teams like Preston, teams mm. like Norwich? And why don't we actually start getting into 
what the fans think and where they are. Now, that doesn't mean Arsenal TV. That doesn't mean people shouting. The opposite, actually. It means what's the main body of fans thinking today? And sometimes that can be just looking how far they've travelled the last three weeks. Just spending a little bit of time to not say, Charlton haven't scored for four or five games. They need to score more goals. Go and have a look why. So that's what we would do. We say, so we sit in the meeting. We can't possibly watch every game. So there's five of you. Yeah. So we, I know. So I would go, so so Pete, the producer, would go, right, well, that's Charlton having scored in four games, so which by the way, that's 72 teams and there's five of you. Five of us at the actual cold face, yeah. And then you've got a guy called Greg and he controls all the edit suites of the guys who are brilliant editing the stuff together. And they all work on it because they want to as well. You know, and you have a Millwall fan editing that and a Burley fan editing that. And they'll say, they'll come running in and they'll go, right, you need to check out the Yeovil game. Yeah. Darren Way has clapped the fans after losing 2-0. It's weird. Half of them are booing him. Half of them are cheering him. We're like, great, thanks. And between us, we just kind of try and grab the key moments yeah. and not make a big mistake. And then everything else after that is accumulation, I, I believe anyway, of having a respect for the fans. And one of the big things that Quest have done, they're on at nine o'clock. Yeah. It doesn't move, sometimes half nine, mm. but like, used to be like, even at Channel 5, it used to be like, what time are we on at? Yeah. And all of a sudden you'd have Dirty Dancing on before you. And you were like, oh, Why was that? Oh, was that because? Because it's not. Because I can remember when we were Because Quest, of... it's their biggest, one yeah. of their biggest three shows straight away mm. and has the potential to be by far their biggest and we're getting there mm. we had our highest peak ever two weeks ago which was about 612,000 at, at one moment we're watching it which was great so basically the Channel 5 last year we went up to about 800,000 okay. which was the first time it was starting to go in the right direction yeah. in terms of peaks yeah. and then obviously moving the Quest which is four things down yeah. not knowing first first week we went out the, the HD didn't work no, because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm sitting here talking to you for what... I don't even know where you're putting this out. I yeah. don't care. You're a really good guy. You tweet really articulate things. And whether they were positive... <laughs> you do. Whether they were positive or critical, it yeah. doesn't matter. You were someone who tweeted and said, I can see that this show does... So if you go... If we have a chat and you want to do something, I'll do it. Mm. So it, it, I don't really work like that. You mm. know, it's not... It's not... I don't really care. So I've, going back I've to turned down big shows too. and I've taken little shows and I've taken bigger shows and turned yeah. very base around that. Because that's, so the quest thing's a challenge. It's like you buzz every week. You yeah. get so fucking distraught when we get it wrong. Yeah. Like so distraught when you make a big mistake. You, you know, literally stays with you for the week until you get back on air. But I love the challenge of it. I love a poison chalice. Yeah. I've always loved it my whole career. You know, I took over from Mark and Lard with Edith who you won't, you'd be like, who are they? Yeah. Um, they were like, Radio Royalty. Okay. And they decided to leave Radio 1. And we went in and they went, good news, move me from the weekends into day, daytime. We were like, brilliant, who are we replacing? Mark and Lard, we were like, oh, fuck. Because we loved them. Yeah. You know, they were like the connoisseur's choice. And then, with the terrible circumstance of John Peel passing away, a year after that, I took that over that yeah. slot. And that was like, again, everyone would be like, you cannot succeed in that. And to be fair, going to talk sport, I was not a headline mm. type of, I'm not. I'm still not a headline presenter. Mm. I like to look, I don't socialize anything mm. and I never did in there and we got the highest ratings ever for that slot. I love the challenge. So why it. do you think you've always had the ability, because I think I saw a quote that said, every kind of gig you've taken, you've been able to... Every radio show, I've fucked up a lot of TV, yeah. but that's that's. I'm not a TV presenter naturally. AFL has an element of radio to it. Yeah. Five people around the table, yeah. trying to work it all out, rushing on air, bit of makeup or whatever the hell they put on, and then get you know it's not a high budget thing. Yeah. Um, so I think I've got an element of that to it. 
I don't know. I think I just I work hard. I love connecting with people. Mm. I love trying to work people out. Mm. I love hearing different opinions. I love connecting with people I shouldn't connect with. They should connect with. I like the art of. I, 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 the associate. It's not necessarily I like small talk. I don't. I think it's mm. the opposite it helps me. I like getting looking at an issue, taking it wherever it has to go. Um, I love the preparation of it. I love what radio is. T- TV something you put on to entertain or to inform. Yeah. Radio is company. Yeah. So I wouldn't really necessarily be great, I don't think, on a breakfast show or a drive show mm. because that is about recycling the news. Mm. But people are lonely. And I mean that you can be happy and lonely at the same time. Like when you leave here, I'll be on my own for a while until yeah. I see somebody later. Yeah. And everyone has that. And people, their kids go to school and the radio's on. Maybe someone's doing a bit of housework or they go to the office after dropping the kids off. And that radio becomes a company. And I love trying to mould the club out of it where people are proud to listen to it. So that's... I've been lucky to have afternoon and morning shows. I think that's what I connect to. And the world of podcasting's made it, like I'm doing Blood in the Tracks at the moment, which is my pet project. And I wrote that on the back of a napkin the day the day after I resigned from TalkSport. I met my friend Simon, who's a really good friend to talk about various things. And I said, you know what? I want to do another music show. It, it could just be as easy as this. Yeah. It was originally called, what was it originally called? Hula, I think it was originally called something like who let Ringo sing or something like that. But anyway, it became Blood in the Tracks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's that the, the podcast was brilliant because now people are choosing when they want to listen yeah. to it. But it's a very solitary experience. It's headphones, just you yeah. most of the time. Sometimes in the car, but it's still a very solitary experience. I love that. You're just trying to bring that person. You know, in radio, there's one extra seat there and that's the listener and they have to feel like they're sitting around that table. Mm. They may not be able to talk, but uh, they have to feel like they can laugh with you for it to work. I think anyway. So I think I naturally fit into that. It kind of works for me, you know. It kind of suits me. I like that. I like yeah. that connection, that honest connection. Um, so I think uh, I think I've probably got my longevity out of out of, out of kind of the hard work side of it. I know? think um, the people I've spoke to I, before, I was sort of saying that I was meeting up with you today, and a lot of people saying we never used to watch Norwich on highlights shows because you get your 15 second comment well Norwich haven't been scoring goals what you've alluded to there the reason Mm. they're watching this year and previous years is because what you're saying and what your guest is saying is Mm. usually well informed you you were saying there that you're sort of a people's person you feel like you can suss people out so when you've had like Dean on Holloway Warnock uh, Liam Rosinia Mm -hmm. how do you go about making sure that they feel comfortable and they get the idea of the show and they know how to inform people as well as you are because that's your trade, that's yeah. what you do. I think what's good with the EFL and that's going back to last year with Mickey Gray, uh, working with him and, and Clinton Morrison, yeah. being able to talk to those those pundits, Chris Iwellamo, we, we would, they wouldn't mind if I said, I don't think that's right, okay. all fair. So the game happens and they're like, I think the problem is this. And I would say, do you know what? Last week it wasn't a problem. Why is it a problem this week? Can you justify that? And then they go, yeah, I can. Let me explain it to you. And I go, oh, brilliant. I've learned something. Yeah. Or they would go, you know, that's a good point, Call. Let's let's look at something else. Yeah. I think that's what's really good about it. Is that because it. you're coming at it from a fan's point of view? And they've, they've been or on just, that pitch. Or just, I just think, they, they can tell you things that you, you can't tell them in terms of mentality, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes there's a journalistic side to it where you might turn around and say, well, hold on a second. This kid's leg was broke. 
until three months ago. Yeah. What's it like when you break your leg having to win that first challenge? Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when Aaron Ramsey came back and didn't make a challenge for it. It's the horrible, that first time you got to go yeah. in after broke. And, he, and, the, and the pundit will go, oh, right, brilliant, yes. Well, that explains that, you know. So we have a really good two-way street. Yeah. So in bringing the people in on the AFL and Quest, we did quite a lot of screen tests and stuff. And I'm so glad, like, Michael Brown's come in recently because I really like him. Yeah. Um, Ollie's just on his own. Like, yeah. he was wearing Christmas jumpers in November <laughs> in the thing. So I have that relationship. And I'm like, Ollie, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? You know, we have that relationship, yeah. which is really good. Take the piss a lot. But with all of them, I feel like I can turn around and say, can you explain that to me? Mm. Can I? I need to understand what you mean. And then I might say, say on Saturday, for example, I can't remember what it was, I made a point about a game. And Dino was like, you know what, you're absolutely buying on with that. I'm going to do that instead. Okay. And that's great. No one's competing for over. And the thing yeah. is, we're on after the goals went out elsewhere. We're on after the highlights went out elsewhere. We're on after everyone's ripped it off and put it in their Twitter. So the only we don't have touchscreen, right? Yeah. We don't have the ability to put... We Even when the pundit knows what he wants to say and can articulate it, we don't have the staff mm. to put the pictures together and put arrows on it and lines and make it all look great. Mm. We don't have the pictures unless there's been more than one camera. Yeah. So our, our job is to make sure more times than not, we don't, that we don't say, for example, well, Norwich, I mean, they should be up at the top, they've spent the money, and then someone goes, we haven't spent the money. Mm. We've far from spent the money. We shipped two players out for 32 million, and our best signing this season was, is a free transfer, yeah. and 1.5 million for the guy who I always can't pronounce his name. You're gonna say Buendia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there you go. You, uh, yeah, but at least I know he's one point five million. Um, and it's, so it's just making sure you put that work in, and it doesn't mean you know everything about every club. You don't, and especially you get into League One, League Two, which we get, don't get to see hardly any of it until the highlights are put together. Well, I saw you tweeted last week that you wished that they had more time for yeah. League One and League Two. I loved. Yeah, I mean, I'm pushing hard for it, yeah. whether it happens or not. I would rather do less social and just get two hours on air. Mm. Um, it actually makes it easier. The, it, it's a weird thing. People who watch it and go, well, you only talk for a minute and a half about Norwich. Mm. It's like, it's actually more difficult. It's easier to talk for five minutes about Norwich. Yeah. Because you have time to break it down, state the obvious. But with, with the EFL show, my whole thing is, the more football we can put out, yeah. the better. So we do two-minute chats, Max, and yeah. it just goes like, bang. We changed it recently where somebody tweeted, funny enough, on Sunday. Uh, it was a Norwich fan, and he was like, well, why did they interview Chris Wilder? Why, why was he the interview today? They chose Chris Wilder. No, no. There's one game that we don't choose yeah. that has four cameras at it, and that's the only one every week where we can interview the winning manager. So whoever somebody else in another station picks, we will interview the winning manager of that game if they're up for doing it, mm. which about three quarters of them are. Yeah. The other quarter are like, nah, I can't be bothered. So it, 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 we, we're not making a lot no, of the decisions. Also, like, who I, cares about the running order? It's yeah. nine o'clock. Yeah. Who's going to bed at nine o'clock on a yeah. Saturday? Some people are like, why are we on third? It's like, why have you got to fucking go to bed <laughs> like at half nine? Do you know what I mean? Um, let's talk about the championship because I'm conscious that we're now 35 minutes in. This has flo flown by yeah. and we haven't yet spoke about football yeah. really. And that's the interesting bit. This is what Definitely. I like. Yeah. Um, my life is pretty dull. So the, the championship. I just show you my collection of Blue Jays baseball caps. If that in any way interests well, you. Do you want to get them? You've got a, a lovely globe over here. Oh, um, yeah, that's my bar globe, right? Your There's bar certain globe. things when you grow up that you think are really posh, right? Yeah. 
fridges that ice come out this of. This is awful right? video, by the way. We're no, no, not, and you're not saying it's my fucking ice. Um, <laughs> fridges that ice come out of, to me, that's always been posh. Okay. I don't have one in this flat. I have one in my house, but I don't have one in this flat. You haven't made it yet, then? So I've made it. A swimming pool, right? Yeah. And at Bar Globe, you know, you see them in like, you wouldn't know any of these references, but you know, Cluzo, mm. early James Bond. So I've got that. I've got my Ron Jeremy rum. got yeah. my Pogues whiskey. Yeah. Um, and loads, loads of alcohol. Amazing. Which isn't really, doesn't say a huge amount of it. Anyway, we, we were speaking about yes. football, I think. Yes, um, championship. Norwich, what, yeah. what have you made of, because I, I, I think about four weeks ago, mm-hmm. I'm not quoting here, I'm trying to remember what you said. You, you said you'd love oh, to see man, a Leeds or a Sheffield United go up. I want to see a proper huge Yorkshire club yeah. in the same way as I wanted some stage to see Bristol City yeah. in the Premier League. It's an entire area, the seventh biggest city in England, that doesn't have any representation in there. You take out Manchester, mm. you take out Liverpool, and you take out London, there's not a huge amount left. No. So I want to see that representation, the length and breadth. And that includes then going out to East Anglia as yeah. well. But it, where it, Norwich have more often than not in the last five, six years represented. Indeed. And I think, I think even with Norwich fans, mm-hmm. we've seen this meteoric rise in the past season. And we've constantly all season been like, we've, we've been you know in the top six of the majority, we've always been like, mm. we're going to fall off a cliff in a minute. We're going to fall yeah. off a cliff. You wouldn't be a fan if you didn't think Indeed. that. Indeed. But even with you guys and with us, the last yeah. couple of weeks, that result against Leeds at the weekend, it feels like, okay, we're real challengers yeah. now. And I th- we, we said it four or five weeks ago. We, I said, this is where we will find out if Norwich are the yeah. real deal this year. Because not only have they got three of the top four to play mm. besides yourselves, you've got a Birmingham City side who at the time of you playing them, I think we're on the so, longest unbeaten run. Yeah. Um, Bristol City might have something to say about that, but I think they their their winning run began a couple of weeks later. But absolutely one of the best form teams in in the division. So like, can you come through this five game period with those four teams in there? Mm. Who was your other game against in those five? I want to say Preston North End. No, Pre- we've got Preston coming up. You do actually. Who did you um, draw with in the last five games that isn't West Brom, Sheffield United? <laughs> testing me here. If he doesn't get this. Not a fan. So it was Leeds. Not a fan. Um, you drew with West Brom. You did. beat Birmingham. No, you drew team. with Sheffield United. You beat Leeds and you drew with North Team. Brentford. Brentford. Oh, that, yes. was, that was like before yeah. Christmas. Yeah, I know. Like, but that's five games. How did you know this? Because thing? it's my job and I'm a little <laughs> bit weird. And that little period of games for me was if you come through that unbeaten yeah. and you're still in there, thereabouts, and you hold your own, you play well, not even just the results, but you play well in those games, then you've got to be considered seriously in the hunt to win the division. Now, why did I say that? Because you'd entertain so much, but look how many late goals. Yeah. Look how many points from losing positions. And you're like, that can't sustain for yeah. the whole season. So what are you? Are you a team that are going to entertain us and pull off miracles? Mm. Or, or are you going to hold your own against the other best teams on form in the division? You've you've done that. You've scored early. I don't care. If Sheffield United are one hell of a team under Chris Wilder. I think the best team in the division from what I've seen. It's interesting not to go off and I want to stick to Norwich, but I think we've got into a place now where we think an intelligent forward-thinking manager comes in a slick suit and a nice haircut with an Italian name or a German name. Are you saying Chris right? Wilder doesn't have a nice suit? Chris Wilder, right? Forget the fact, he looks like an old-school manager, yeah. doesn't he? He's not. He changes things up all the time during the game. They play out from the back yeah. when they should yeah. play out from the back. They don't when they shouldn't. They're a very hard team to beat mm. because they have. he's so intelligent. So forget the two all. Yeah. The point is, you've come through that in your top. Yeah. The performance against Leeds was the performance of the season. Mm. You've scored goals early in most of those games. Yeah. Drew with West Brom. 
Good drew point. with Sheffield United, beat Leeds United, and these aren't last second. In fact, the opposite. Mm. Sheffield United came back against you. So we've seen a calmness and assuredness against the best in the division. Yeah. West Brom are top scorers, probably still top scorers, I imagine, in, in the division as well. So I think that's made turn people from thinking, well, Norwich have given us a lot of really fun afternoons mm. into actually this team are going to stay the pace. And we're two thirds into the season. Yeah. So we're only talking five, six more games before you go, you have stayed the pace. Mm. Whether you finish first, second, third or fourth, we're getting that stage of the season. That was no longer, we're not looking at who's going to stay the pace. We're looking at the run in. Mm. So we're not far away, away from when, that. Now. When you go top that we are now, the dynamic almost shifts, doesn't it? Because you're the hunted rather than the hunting. It does, but I think it depends on the club. Okay. So Leeds United fans in general, who I talk to on Twitter, they they genuinely worry that they're going to get stiffed yeah. because it's happened so many times and they've had bad ownership. They've had a lot of things go wrong at Leeds that wasn't the Leeds fans' fault. And I think there's a saying is believing with them. It's like, Can't, please, please let this be this year. Norwich are so stable. Mm. They have a huge amount of people who will go and see them in the Premier League or the Championship or League One. Yeah. Those season ticket holders, which is, you'll tell me the exact number, but I'm guessing it's 20-something, 20, 20 isn't it? Yeah. So, I, you've been up and you've been down. And you've been up and you've been down. Not in a yo-yo way, mm. in a sustainable way. Yeah. So, I don't think there's a feeling of, if we don't go up, it's the end of the world. Mm. So, I think that helps, yeah. It also helps that three of your last four managers have been there two seasons. Yeah. So, so within that squad, there's a feeling of, look, we need to buy into this guy's way. Yeah. This is his second season and we know he's going to stay. Mm. We know he's got the back and that helps. I don't know whether with Norwich there is that euphoria, that panic, that franticness, because the club itself is like, no matter what happens, the band's going to be marching outside Carr Road, you're going to turn up, you're going to have 26,000 people with season tickets, yeah. and this is how you're going to cut your cloth, yeah. whether you go up or down. Um, and a fan, there was a Leeds fan, funny enough, what happens sometimes? Is lead, fans of teams will fight have fights on Twitter mm. that start with a tweet that Quest have put out and copied me into and I see these reams and I'm like oh mute 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 <laughs> but there was a Leeds United fan send an Norwich fan yeah good luck to you you'll probably go up and go straight back down again losers and I'm like is that really that bad a life knowing that the club's financially stable yeah. right having seasons where you win more than you lose and then having seasons where you go to the biggest and best stadiums and see the most world class players play and then maybe you get relegated and then maybe you have a great season and go back up after a couple of seasons why is that not a good life yeah. why does a team have to risk everything and spend 300 million to be happy that's not where football lives mm. I think that's why I love doing the EFL so that's much because that's not where football lives yeah you say that and, and you're a Liverpool fan so I think yeah. you, you get it at the moment and I've spoken to a lot of people about this and I think that's why Ipswich fans are loving Paul Lambert so much is because he's creating a culture mm -hmm. around the club and Daniel Farke has done that at Norwich and I think Jurgen Klopp's done that at Liverpool in terms of you go to Anfield or Carrow Road or Portman Road and even if you don't play well in that 90 minutes you know you're going to have a good time yeah. because there's something more than just the football yeah and I feel like that constant chase and the churn of the Premier League has kicked yeah. that out of teams. Yeah. Do you think that's happening at Norwich and, 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 and Liverpool as well? Because you, you know that better than anyone. Well, with And the enjoyment of, of I th match I days think for with, you. with Norwich is a strange one. I read this morning three previews of this season. Okay. None of them mentioned Norwich. No. You were coming off the back of... It's because we finished 14th last season. But it was a symmetrical season. So you look actually back at it and you go... Why weren't more people looking at Norwich? Yeah. 
same amount of wins bar one game mm. it was almost the same amount yeah. of wins draws defeats yeah so what was the difference between 14th and, and 8th or 7th that season I'm guessing this season turning three defeats into three wins and you had way too many draws yeah. turning three draws into three wins it wasn't that big of a yeah. jump the problem was that it just didn't you know you take Madison out of that team which you did the thought was how in the world are all these players going to click well you had the players that you signed at the start of the last season got better and the players you brought in got better and the youth got a little bit and it all just came together and it's really interesting to look at the profile of the Norwich players, there's a lot put onto the youth. And listen, Jamal Lewis made the choice that every young player should make, which is playing for Northern Ireland. Um, so what yeah, that Max about, Max Aaron's is the one yeah. gets a lot more of the more of the headlines. The player I can't pronounce, he's 22, isn't he? Bundia. Right, yeah. Bundia. He there you go. It wasn't Bayern. Played City from sunny Spain. He did. Five um, seven football heaven. Was he a Real? He was Real Madrid youth, right? Yeah. And then he came through. Max Irons was Luton yeah. that you then brought so in to yourselves, and Jamal was as well. Yeah. So, but eventually, you got your Leeds and colours on. Yeah, what? You got your Leeds and colours Jeez, on. I don't know where I call that. <laughs> Blackpool, maybe. Um, and but actually, it's there's a whole load of players that kind of fit Daniel Fark's mode, actually, which is or Farka. Um, you got Steeperman and you got Zimmerman and you got uh, Vrasic and obviously Timo Pukki. Mm. Here's players who a lot more was expected of them when they were in their teens. Yes. Who didn't quite reach where it was yeah. yet, between Farka and Weber, they brought them in. Yeah. Now, that wasn't because, well, they're underachieving, I mean, get them in the cheap. Yeah. They were obviously looking for characteristics, and they'd spotted characteristics. Of course, your manager knows about it, because that's where he's from, yeah. where you were picking up players. But Weber knew about that as well, because as we did at Huddersfield, that market he knew well. And I think they look for humility and hard work. Yeah. And I think they look for characteristics rather than necessary. Okay, we know somewhere he had the ability to be a top player, but what are the characteristics? You know, how do they fit with Daniel Farkett, whose career wasn't much different? Yeah. You know, he, he, he when he came to Norwich, people were like, who? Yeah. So it was almost like players in the mirror image of him. That's actually been the key for me. Mm. Um, Pookie, I think, had judged on his time at Celtic rather than his time at Bromby. He was scoring more than one and three. Yeah. It's a really good spot. But I think your guy spotted him like five years ago yeah. and kept his eye on him the whole time yeah. and brought him in. So I think it's interesting. It's two things. It's youth, but it's all and you know really good signings bringing Cruel in. Although you took a while really to warm to him. I didn't did. Make him in. You all what did. do you make of Cruel? Well, anyone that looks like a 70s porn star is good <laughs> in my book. You know what I mean? Now, I, like, I mean, he's been around. He's played... He has enough experience. Yeah. He's a great shot stopper. And I think he's got better as the season has went on Definitely. under Fargo, but then hasn't everyone in the team. He's a bit He's a bit of a, a... He's got a short temper on him as well. Yeah, that's not bad, though. No, I think it's I like bad. that. I, th I think it's interesting the way... If you... Pe people, like, people look at United as the example of like, well, whose fault was it? Mourinho or was it the press? Mm. It was Mourinho's. And... You've 26 year olds in that team, and uh, you know, a lot of 26, 27 year olds who've been brought in, mm. 29 year olds, they're all mid to late 20s, those mm. players that have really clicked. And you've got youth. Yeah. But someone who was born, who's 26 now, was born in the 90s, mm. right? Blur's Britain. And they grew up in an era where, rightly or wrongly, you, didn't, you don't treat people like I was treated at work. You don't talk to the editor, you don't talk back. That doesn't work anymore. Mm. People don't more rightly than wrongly, won't be talked to like that. Yeah. No matter if they get paid 200 grand a week or 20 grand a week or 20 quid. 
So it's a different world now, and, and Norwich fits that. I think everyone's treated with respect in there. I don't see Daniel Farker throwing that. I can't imagine him pinning someone against man, the wall. But you don't get that response yeah. from people under 30. They didn't yeah. grow up in that era of corporate punishment, mm. you know, getting slapped at school, getting slapped at home. It's a different world, and if you don't change to that working environment where it's football or anything else, you ain't going to survive, I don't mm. think. Um, so there's loads of things at Norwich, but no one was talking about them start of the season. They weren't. Nobody I, I, was. I think maybe that was because we slightly... A, a lot of people were talking about us last summer, so Farker's first mm. season, and then we almost underachieved, and, and I was getting frustrated because we were promised this lovely style of German football, and we mm. had Champions League finalists who were playing for us, and it just wasn't happening. Mm. So it almost shows, doesn't it, that if you just give someone patience, and you set a culture, and you believe in that, it will work and, and that's I, not happening in football is it and no and i think norwich should be praised for that i i think that's exactly comes back to your immediate point which is what's going to happen in this run-in you will win games and you will lose games you will draw games and you might not win the championship and you might not get automatically promoted but i think you probably have such stability i mentioned this way earlier on the season i remember a few people tweet me but i was like when i go to watch norwich mm. over the years when i've been to watch norwich six or seven times the thing that's never changed is the club feels really stable mm. You know, although you did get rid of your nets, your your yellow nets. Yeah, that's disgraceful, by the way. Why are they white? Like, yeah. you're the only place that had them. When that's I was growing up, it was like, oh my God, Norwich yeah. have... We loved that. It was like, anyway. But you, you feel there's a stability there. You feel that whether you win or lose, whether you go up or you stay where you are, that you come back next season yeah. and that you sell the same season tickets and people support the club for life. Is that life. because where we are and there's nothing else to do? Well, it changes wherever you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, there's that other team that are better, you know, Ipswich. Could be, no. <laughs> but so there's always that. There's always that feeling of like, there's a stability. And I think that helps going in. Like if you don't go up, I don't think fans will be turning their hair out and saying, yeah. get rid of the manager. Like if you finish fourth this season and get knocked out in the playoff semi-finals, would you judge that as a successful season? Yeah, because I've enjoyed it. Right, but and you'd also be like, we've got the right, yeah. We now we can go and we can spend it, maybe spend another well-placed eight, nine, ten million. You'd probably be more annoyed if in the summer mm. you open your phone and it goes, Max Ahrens moves to, Jamal Lewis yeah. moves to. Which will happen right? if you don't go up. When Dia moves to, yeah. right? Well, it depends. It depends, I suppose. I think I think with Jamal Lewis, I could see him staying exactly where he is, no matter what. Max Ahrens is probably the one. Yeah. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. What I what I'd be aware of now is the the easier run, right? Okay. So you look at your next five games. Two ex managers. Yeah. So you, you know it's sounds stupid yeah, to yeah. say, but it is true. No, yeah. One of them's a derby as well. Yeah. With an ex manager, and then you move straight on the Alex Neal at Preston North End. Mm. You've got Bristol City, who are on the best run of anyone good. in the championship yeah. right now. <laughs> so they, I don't know how many unbeaten as we sat and chat well. here. You throw Bolton in there, be fighting for their lives, although you'd be big favourites going into that game. Best goalkeeper in the so, championship there as yeah. well. So, so, you, so there's no, I know it's the worst cliche ever, but last year we sat on air in November going, well, Wolves are up. Mm. You've been set for any team at the moment. Mm. The, this is, a, I'm not trying, not, it's not scare tactics or anything, I'm just saying, you're gonna, you will before the end of the season go on a run where you draw that game and you lose that game and you maybe win that game and then you draw a game and le look at the run leads are on as we sit here, mm. sit here now and whatever it is, second, third of February. Um, the difference between you and Middlesbrough right now, yeah, three goals, really? three goals, three draws. Mm. Middlesbrough had a one those three, so if they had had three late goals, like you've done a lot this season, yeah. so if a Samba Longa had came on or Hugo had came on and went biff. 
there you go, 89th minute winner, two or three times, mm. they did the same points as you. I don't rule them out mm. where they sit at the moment. So there's, it's a, it's gonna, I can totally see last day of the season, three o'clock, you know, two games beside each other to decide who finishes second. Mm. And you might be already all right, or you might be one of those two teams. Yeah, honestly, West Brom, you know, lost players who they hadn't loaned. That yeah. worries me about up until then. They made a good few signings. And they made good signings. Yeah. So let's see how that works. Middlesbrough have been absolute championship all season yeah. for me. Like exactly like if you go what you would say a stereotypical championship sign are, they're right in there. Yeah. But you've got teams still, Bristol City have just got into the top six. QPR, Villa. If I had to pick right now, I genuinely couldn't. I think you're probably like Sheffield United start a season. The owners were fighting the bid out, still are. Yeah. Right. There was no money given to bring players in. What he's done is unbelievable, mm. Chris Wilder. He's done you're, it before as well. Bielsa end the season is history of his teams tailing off yeah. at the end of the season. That's not to say it's going to happen here because when the injuries earlier on the season, is it happening kids already, came in and did well. I don't know. I think every One team. One in six, I think it is. Yeah, but every team's going to go through that. You know, I could take. Norwich right now and say two wins and five mm. that doesn't tell the story mm. it really doesn't tell the story but as I say last time out in the pitch I think people went from going we really admire the way this team play and you make a really good point you said what you expected when Farke came into the club people have realised that every German manager that comes in isn't Jurgen Klopp yeah. and he's not you don't play heavy metal football yeah. you play really balanced football mm. at home Really balanced, controlled, one touch, at times semi-conservative football when you have yeah. to. It's a possession game. Mm -hmm. Away from home, it changes. Yeah. And you start looking like a lot more like you keep all the articulate, the one touch, but Leeds way had more possession. But it was like when you got it, it was yeah. so calm and calculated and brutal in his tactics. You don't play every mirror football. You're more like a nice violin concerto the way you play. You know, so it's he's not Klopp. Not every manager's bloody Klopp. Not every manager's Wagner. It's like some some manager you can be different. So I, I like I like what he's done. I think, as I say, you take the kids coming through, seem to get a lot of the press. But actually, it's those. We used to have a show called the Raggy Dolls. You won't remember. It was a cartoon show about dolls where maybe they had two left feet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. their fingers weren't yeah, right yeah. and they would get thrown off the... Uh, and, and then they formed a little club out the back. Yeah. They escaped the bin. You kind of picked up these raggy dolls. Oh, that player was... Was it, you know, was it Borussia Dortmund but ended up playing in the second division yeah. in Germany? Do you know what? We see what he can be. All coming in that 26, 27-year-old. There's players that you have right now that you might be sitting here and going, do you know what? I'm worried he's going to end up somewhere else. Who, like a year ago, nobody was looking yeah. at. And that's the genius of the, the, the transfer policy. Um, so yeah, it's exciting, but still, I, I have no idea who's going to finish top two. I have no idea who's going to get up. That's why we love it. I hope, I hope whoever finishes third gets up through the playoffs. Yes. You know, because if you said to me now, Leeds, Sheffield United and Norwich are going to go up. Well, it was like the previous... I'm pretty season. happy with that. Yeah. I think they're the three teams that... Not, not does, You deserve to go up based on the points at the end of the season, but it's going to be so close. Yeah. No one's going to win this league by 10 points. Famous last words, you'll probably do it now. But I, I cannot see anyone winning the yeah. championship by 10 points. I can't see it being over until mm. the weekend before the last weekend of the last weekend. Which means whoever finishes third is going to be an absolute gut punch. Yeah. And it's so hard to go into the playoffs when you've missed out on 
away at, on one goal mm. or the last minute of the last day of the season how do you pick yourself up from that and we see evidence that it's really really difficult it could, it could be one of those years that the team that finishes third is there's devastation in the last day but we'll see it's good to cover it's good when it's like this I was watching Liverpool uh, West Ham last night I was at it I was at the Leicester game and I sit and watch so many games now on TV and I'm looking for the rare example where there's real competition on yeah. the pitch yet in my job I say it every week which is fantastic yeah. and that doesn't matter whether I'm watching uh, you know I'm, I'm watching Luton against Portsmouth or Lincoln against Bury or I'm, I'm, I'm watching Leeds against Norwich the competition is there the battles are there every week That that's why it's brilliant to work on no matter how short staffed it is and you know, no matter how much of a battle it is it's always great because yeah. like the football that you're getting to see it feels like I suppose real football. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. That was an education. Thank you so much. Really mate, enjoyed for, it for having. Good um, luck with everything. Yeah, thank you, mate. No, thank you for the time and letting me in. And um, yeah, top man. Okay. Got the good work. Just stay out of the drink. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Mr. Colin Murray. What an absolute joy it was um, in his flat in London. I hope you all enjoyed it. As I said at the start, me and my father used to listen to Colin on the radio lots, um, and I never thought I'd be sitting in the same room as him, let alone chatting to him. For hours and on. So that was a special one for me, um, for many a reason. Um, a massive thanks to Colin if he's listening back on iTunes, um, because yeah, that meant a lot to me. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I'll see you very soon. It's the East Anglian Derby this weekend. Um, there'll be loads more podcasts coming up. If you haven't already listened to the previous 75 episodes, why not take a listen? We've had guests from Angus Gunn to Russell Martin to Nick Conrad to. Owen Tudor Jones. We've had all we've had them all. Um thank you very much for listening and um I'll see you very soon. Bye bye.